Bags down, spikes on, welcome to the track. My name is Colin Waitsman. I'm going to be your host for this episode of Track World News. We have our latest rendition of the interview series. And before we get into all of that, make sure that you subscribe to the show. Follow us on Instagram at Track World News and leave us a rating. It really helps us know that you're enjoying the content and, and liking what you're listening to. And so let's get into it. This episode of the interview series is with David Neville. He is a current coach of the Tennessee University of Tennessee's track and field team. He is on the, the sprints and relay side of things. He's also a former Olympic gold medalist in the 4x4 in 2008, and he is also a bronze medalist in the Open 400 in the 2008 Olympics as well. He has so much more as well, and I really hope that you enjoy the story because it was a great uh, conversation that we had. So have a good one. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Welcome, everyone, to the next rendition of our interview series. Today, we have David Neville, who is joining us. Uh, he is a, an extremely talented coach and athlete. Currently, he is the Tennessee Sprints and Hurdles coach. He's coached over 30 athletes to All-American Honors, 2008 gold medalist in the 4x4, 2008 bronze medalist in the Open 400, and a lot more accolades uh, that we could go on for hours with. But David, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, really do appreciate you taking the time, man. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm excited, uh, excited for this opportunity. So thank you. I look forward to it. No problem, man. No problem. Well, wanted to want to get started with where it kind of started off for you. Um, what was it that got you into track and field and wanted to start running, you know, as whether it was a hobby or, or, or a sport when you were you know, younger? Well, yeah, my uh, father and my grandfather actually both ran track and field. Um, so it kind of, uh, quote unquote, runs in the family, I guess you'd say. Uh, no, but my dad ran in college. Uh, he ran at BMI. He was um, a high jumper slash 800 meter runner. Interesting combo, right? Yeah. Uh, but he did pretty well while he was at BMI. Um, he was a 148. Uh, 800 meter runner uh, during his time. So, um, you know, the sport of track and field is definitely something that's always kind of been in my family. And um, I, my first remembrance really of uh, being inspired by the sport of track and field was in uh, 1996 when Michael Johnson ran uh, in Atlanta. And I remember the gold shoes. Um, I remember running around that track down there and that was the first time I can remember uh, really being drawn to the sport and saying that this is something I want to do. I want to experience this and, and be able to live up to those type of, uh, you know, uh, goals and dreams. Yeah, it, for me, it was it was Bolt watching watching him running because mm -hmm. I remember I was just that was when I was in middle school, I think, when when he was just getting started off and, and seeing him competing and, and really. At a, at a really high level. I mean, obviously one of the biggest names in, in our sport, it's, it was like, oh man, I mean, I don't run the hundred. I was a, I'm a, I was a pole vaulter myself, but it was still like, you know, super cool that everyone was, you know, getting excited about our sport, which doesn't get a lot of, you know, FaceTime on, unfortunately. Yeah. So it's always great seeing, you know, where some of these big names are coming from. And, you know, Michael, Michael Johnson, like huge, huge guy still involved with, with the sport today. Yeah. And, 
I mean, it translated in the events you're doing that you ended up doing. Was <laughs> right. that, did that have any influence? Were you like, I want to be like Michael Johnson? Or was it just like, hey, this is what you were good at? Um, you know, actually, so when I was in high school or when I first started running um, in middle school, I remember I was a um, I was a hundred meter and I was a um, I guess at that time hundred meter hurdler in middle school mm-hmm. um, and then obviously you go to the one tens in high school and those bad boys go up uh, <laughs> a little higher uh, and I did not have the hip flexibility to get over those things properly so um, I dropped the hurdles and so I was actually a hundred two hundred slash long jumper. Um, and all through high school until my senior year. And that's when I actually switched to the 400, picked that event up, dropped the 100. And so then I was a 2-4 guy. Um, so um, I would like to say it was uh, part of the reason why I was running those events. But I was early on, I was scared to run the four. Um, I definitely was. It took a lot of convincing from some different people uh, to get me to that place. <laughs> my dad mm-hmm. being one of them. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah it, it all worked out for me in the uh, eventually. Yeah. I'm sure your dad definitely were, was able to help you calm some of those fears going, being an 800 meter runner saying like, listen, if I got a 400, I was feeling good about it, man. <laughs> you know? right. Yeah. Cause I, even, even when I was, you know, to this day, I have those nightmares of being called up to do the four by four, like you know, all the mm-hmm. short sprinters do where it's the last event on the track. You think you're done. Right. I just need one more runner. Who's going to, who's it going to be? Everyone's looking away. I'm not going to do it. So, no. Hey, I give you guys a lot of kudos and respect. Cause it's, it's not easy. It's, it's no. not a, it's not an easy race. Yeah. Not at all. Not at all. Well, I know something that we had uh, discussed before was that you actually had a little bit of a hiccup, I guess you could say in while you were running in high school and had an injury and ended up leaving the sport I mean could you could you touch on what was happening and what was going on through your your mind as well when you were like you know gave up track earlier on in your career yeah um you know and I think it's it's um kind of relatable to a lot of people um you know I think that we all whether it's in the sport of track and field or another area of our lives we all come into some type of obstacle, right? Um, where we kind of have to make a decision, you know, is this something that I really want to do and I'm going to stick in and, and, and keep working hard at it. And for me, my sophomore year in high school, I had a pretty decent year as a freshman, but my sophomore year, the first indoor meet of the year, um, ended up breaking or I had a fracture um, in my foot um, in the first meet. Um, it was a hairline fracture on my growth plate. Um, I believe it was my right foot. And I was in a cast for, for a month. Um, and you know, that was like, I think February. Um, and I just thought to myself, you know, Hey, maybe this sport just isn't for me. This is not what I'm supposed to be doing. You know? Uh, yeah. Um, you know, I grew up, um, I grew up in the church and so faith has always been a big part of my life and who I am. And the first thought that came to my mind was, you know, I, God must have something different for me to do, you know, and I was uh, really big into music. Um, I actually majored in music education in college. Um, and so for me, I was like, well, I'll just spend all my time focusing on my music. Um, and that's what I did for the, for the rest of that year. And I was like, you know what, track is over. I'm done. Um, and my junior year, um, probably two, three weeks before uh, the conference championships uh, in when I was in high school, you know, I was like, ah, oh, man, I just miss it so much. 
And everyone during that whole time wanted me to come back. You know, people, friends and coaches, and they're all, yeah, come back out and you're great. You, you, you can do some, some great things. And I was like, no, it's not for me. But um, it, the, the, the tug was just too great. Um, and uh, so I came back and um, had decent success. I made it to state in the 100 um, that year after like two weeks of practice. <laughs> um, and uh, that was as soon as that, that, um, junior year of track and field was over, I, I realized, all right, maybe I should look at a different event. Um, you know, people were talking to me about the way that I was built and I was about six, three at that time. Um, and, and it's just this skinny lanky guy. Um, and everyone's like, Hey man, you should run the four. It's just really good for your body type. And, mm -hmm. um, so I started training for the 400 that summer was supposed to run it during the summer track season, uh, AAU. And I chickened out at the state meet and pulled myself out the event because I was still scared, <laughs> scared to try and run it. Um, but that next fall, I trained for it that whole year um, and uh, decided that I would uh, run the four and and had an amazing senior year. Um, so, yeah, that was that was kind of the, the transition from going with, you know, I'm, I'm a short sprinter and I break my foot, ready to quit the quit the, the whole sport only to come back and have some, some great success. Yeah. I, I mean, those types of things, while it's, you're getting away from actually training. So you're not technically like, obviously you're not getting better with the sport because you're not training. I think it, it can help you get that new life and that new spark that you need into things. Cause yeah. what, like people say, absence makes the heart grow fonder. I think, right. you know, probably when you stepped away from the track, I'm sure it helped you come back mentally more sharp for things. I mean, what was, do you remember back in, I know it's been, it might've been a little, been some time now, but do you remember how it might've been, you know, mentally for you? Like, were you more focused on it or was it just kind of like a, oh, I'm, I found a new event at this point and, you know, gave you that new kind of spark. Uh, yeah. Well, when I came back, I came back to running the hundred again. So, yeah. you know, I was, I was running the same event, but um, you know, I think my mind was, you know, if I'm going to come back, I'm going to do this thing and I'm going to do it right. Um, and I knew that, you know, I was pretty good, like I said, as a, as a freshman and going into my sophomore year, my training was, was good and I was ready to have a great year. And so coming back as a junior, my goal was, Hey, let's make it to the state meet and, and do well there. Um, and, you know, I think that my drive and determination for those, those few weeks there leading up to the state meet, um, they were pretty strong and I was able to, you know, pull out, um, uh, some decent times. I think I finished seventh at state that year, um, you know, and, and to do that after not training for over a year and, and doing anything with the sport for over a year, um, I knew that there was something uh, special there that I needed to tap in a little, a little harder and a little stronger. And so, you know, switching to a new event, it was, Hey, this is, this is, I, I realized at that point, that this is really what I'm called to do was to use, use the gift that, that God gave me in the sport of track and field. And so I wanted to be successful in it. I didn't want to hold anything back. Um, and I think the, that year I, I went undefeated um, until I stepped outside of the state at the uh, end of the summer. I think it was the Golden West meet. It was the first meet I, I lost, uh, but it was to Jeremy Warner. So <laughs> yeah. I can't complain, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
know, uh, another great athlete who had, had some great success. Um, I remember it was him and Kelly Willie. Uh, they beat me. They were both 45, five guys in high school. So uh, so for me to, to go there and compete against those guys, and, and that's who, who I lost to, I couldn't, uh, couldn't be mad at myself, but uh, definitely was continued fuel uh, moving on into the college. For sure, man. I mean, going, you know, finishing out, finishing out high school at a pretty elite level and then ending up going, what's Indiana, right? Um, right. Going to you know pretty, pretty big name program, top name program. When, when was it that you were, were you thinking, Hey, I want to just compete in college and, and enjoy this? Or when did your mindset go, Hey, I really want to try to make the Olympics and see what I can do. Well, you know, it was actually was my senior year in high school. So, you know, I came back, um, I was having a lot of success as a senior and I made it through, I had sectional, we, in Indiana, they go sectionals, regionals in the state meet. And so at the regional championships, I had just won, I was still undefeated. Um, and newspaper reporter, he came to me and he's like, Hey, you know, you're doing great. All this is, is wonderful. You know, what do you think this track and field thing is going to be for you? you know, in life, like, what, what do you plan on doing with this? And, and I remember they had just announced um, Beijing Olympics was going to be in, uh, in 2008. This was six years prior. Um, and I, I just knew just in my spirit was, hey, I'm going to be in the Beijing Olympics in 2008. I'm going to be a professional track and field athlete. And that's what I told the newspaper reporter. And I believe they reported it. Um, and so from that moment on, everything that I did was preparation for the Olympics. Um, was preparation to, to be a professional track and field athlete. Um, I knew that if I said it, I was going to give my everything to it. And um, yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. What and going flashing to the 2008 and into the Olympics for, for those that don't remember or haven't seen uh, you had one of the, one of the, the best displays I feel of just heart in the mm -hmm. 400. So going, going back, it's the, where are well, here, how about you? You can tell the story since you, you, you ran it. You know better than me. <laughs> you, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, um, you know, there's a lot of things that uh, with the Beijing Olympics that um, kind of were surprising. And a lot of people probably don't even know some of the things that I dealt with leading up to that year. Um, you know, I, I went with um, I, that was my first year out in California with my coach, John Smith, uh, great coach. And he um, <clears throat> taught me a lot about the event. Um, he had a lot of success himself as an athlete. And so <clears throat> when I got to Beijing, we were stationed in Dalian, China, which is about an hour flight outside. Um, that was our training camp. And I remember while we were out there, it had to have been like the last practice we had. I had my first injury ever. Um, all of a sudden I had um, just out of nowhere, uh, Achilles tendonitis flare up. I didn't even know what it was. I just knew I was having this crazy pain that just all of a sudden, came upon my, um, my Achilles um, tendon. And so I started getting treatment for that. And I was in pain. I was in pain. But, you know, my coach, he, he changed a lot of things up um, with what we did once we got back to Beijing um, to work through the rounds. And, and, and I wasn't favored uh, to even medal, um, but I went in with the goal of meddling. So I, I had my goal of making the Olympics. Um, in Beijing for 2008. And once I achieved that goal, um, my wife actually, we, we sat down and we talked and she was like, all right, it's time to set a new goal. And I think that's one of the great, that's one of the great things about, you know, my wife, Ariel, she's, she's always been supportive of me. You know, we've been together since senior year in high school. 
mm-hmm. all through college. And, and so um, going on and, and getting to that, that place where she's like, hey, time to set something new, uh, something new to go out and achieve. And, and it was medal at the Olympics. And so um, <clears throat> on paper, it wasn't supposed to be me. Uh, but I, I went out there and got in the final. And, and I remember, you know, there's a lot of things that I don't remember from the race. Um, I have to go back and watch uh, for me to actually like, oh, yeah, OK, this happened, this happened. But I remember getting to 300 meters and me, uh, LaShawn Merritt and Jeremy Warner were all neck and neck. It was just a blanket. Right. And so I was like, all right, let's go. You know, and uh, I tried to go, but I wasn't going anywhere. And everybody else <laughs> felt like they were just running away from me. Um, you know, and it, that happens in the sport, you know, um, I, I had, you know, I had some gifts and I had some talents, um, but I think that that heart and that will and determination to really achieve my goal is what I went after more than anything else. Um, and I remember about 50 meters from the finish line, I felt like I was just running in sand. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, LaShawn Merritt and Jeremy Warner, they're starting to pass. They're, they're up there in front. And um, Chris Brown from Bahamas is coming up on me. Um, and, and I think even from the video, you can see he kind of passes me a little bit. Um, but I, I just went for it, gave everything I had, and just really put my heart all into it. Um, and I got to the finish line, and I just went for the biggest lean I could possibly lean. Uh, you know, it's funny because, you know, everyone talks about it. They call it the dive um, across the finish line. And I wasn't trying to dive. I was just trying to lean as hard as I possibly can and get to the line first. It turned into a dive. I mean, the arms went out, the legs went up, um, and I just wanted to get across the line. And, um, you know, I think all that determination, um, the faith, and, um, you know, I think a lot of, you know, God's favor on me helped me get to where, where I was able to go out there and achieve another goal. And, and get the bronze medal in the open 400. So um, that, that was kind of the story of what happened during that race. And, um, you know, it was a lot of sacrifice. I think as all athletes, we all sacrifice things to get what we want, at least if we want to be good, right? We have to put some things in, in perspective and, and give up some things and, and make some choices. And um, I think it was uh, not only the sacrifice as an athlete, but also the sacrifice in that moment of my body <laughs> to, yeah. uh, to, to get across that finish line because I was in pain. Um, I, I mean, you talk about carpet burn. I had track burn and anyone who's had that Ooh. knows what I'm talking about. So that shower that night was, <laughs> it, it burned. That's, um, you know, very, yeah, it was very impressive. It was, it was super, super close. Like it was, like with without the dive, who knows if you're if you're standing on the medal stands or, or you're you're watching your your fellow countrymen, you know, collecting their medals. Mm-hmm. I mean, you went so if you look at it, you went from being a guy what six seven like seven years ago who said you know I'm gonna take myself out of this 400 meter race because I don't think I'm ready to giving it all you have in the Olympic finals in 2008. What like like what like that's I don't even know what to to ask what to say there's a lot of stuff like how did how did you think you went whether for you know physically mentally and through your faith from the the guy the kid that said no I'm not ready to even race in this 400 to I'm going to with this new injury that I've never had give it all I got on this race on the biggest stage 
Yeah, I think for me, probably my faith was the biggest part of it. And that, you know, for me, you know, um, uh, I think I've always um, tried to give my all in whatever it is that I put myself into, um, whether it was my music, um, you know, in, in college and, and working hard to achieve that, um, or whether it was, you know, in athletics, um, uh, track and field, I always had fun um, in competition, um, I should say doing well in a competition yes. was always fun for me. Um, and, and I think when I, when I really sat back and looked at the success that I was having, um, you know, my first couple of years in high school and it was like, okay, I'm running the hundred, the 200, I'm doing really well in the 200, the hundred I'm good, but I'm not all world. Right. And, and then I look at, I think I went like 1083 as a junior after a couple of weeks of training in the hundred, but I knew that's not going to get me, that's not going to get me anywhere if I really want to do this thing and do it well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, the training that I did and, and what people and coaches told me, you know, I think you can run this. And I started looking at the times that they're talking about, I can run. And then was able to start seeing that success as a senior in high school. Um, you know, I think that fueled me even more because it was like, all right, you know, God, you gave me this gift and I'm using it and I'm seeing success because I'm being faithful with using that gift. And so that fueled me even more, um, you know, and, and I had some different challenges and struggles. You know, my first year at Indiana University, I redshirted, but it was an academic. I couldn't compete because I wasn't academically eligible to compete. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't even know that part of the story. There's a whole lot of different things that, that I dealt with and challenges that I had to overcome. I mean, I was training by myself. Um, I couldn't train with the program, the coaches, my wife, my now wife, Ariel, she actually uh, came to practice with me every day. She held a stopwatch. She coached me. My dad, he was my club coach my senior year in high school. So he wrote all my workouts and emailed them to me. And then we took, uh, my wife took me to do the workouts. So I'd go to, I was in the marching band because for my major, I had to do the marching band for two years. And so I'd go to marching band practice, carry a snare drum for two hours, and then go straight to track practice and practice for two hours. Um, and doing all this without being on the team. And my dad would come, would drive down three hours, take me to a couple of meets in the area so that I could get some competitions in and this year off um, and still able to go out and, and, and run a PR that year uh, in a very difficult situation. Uh, but all those challenges, I think, really made me who I was and, and helped me help push me to, to my ultimate goal of, of being pro and and overcoming the odds. Yeah, it's great story and like yeah saying the this the fact that you were what you're on the the your red shirt that your freshman year your first your first time you're stepping on campus can't compete with your mm-hmm. with your teammates i mean that's something else where it's like man i thought i was i was just getting up i was doing well and then it's like yeah. okay now you got to be you hit the realization got to go right back up again i mean yeah. it's, it's 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 an interesting story and then i mean shortly after you then you know started transitioning to the other side of of athletics going from you know you competing and training to then being a coach uh what how was that transition for you were you a little reluctant like man i'm I really love, I think I could keep pushing this, make, maybe make another Olympic team, or, you know, I want to see what else I can do. Or was it more like, you know, now is my time to go from athlete to, you know, to coaching. Yeah. Um, the injuries caught up to me. <laughs> so 2012 was my last 2012, about, um, actually 
Olympic trials um, was my last competition. Um, and I was dealing with a lot of, again, Achilles tendon issues. I had tendonitis, I had bursitis, I had quadricep tendonitis, and I actually had PRP treatment done in my, my right knee um, two weeks after the Olympic trials. I couldn't make it out the first round. I was just so jacked up. Um, and literally the next two years, I kept trying to come back. Um, and by March of 2014, I knew it wasn't happening. Um, you know, at that time I had, um, I had started working another job because I had to try to make some, uh, some, some, uh, ends meet. (laughs) Um, and so I was working, um, actually I was working, I gotten certified as a, a trainer. So I was a personal trainer, um, on the side while still trying to run. Um, and, and, and I realized, you know, this isn't, isn't going to work, but I knew that while I was, um, while I was pro that after I was done, I wanted to be a track and field coach. Um, and so that was, that was another dream that I had another goal that I went had set for myself. And so once I, officially retired I started looking for some positions um, as a track and field coach and 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 that was kind of how the shift came about it was something I definitely wanted to do because for me um, working with young adults people that are you know got just gotten out of high school and are you know experiencing the world now and trying to figure themselves out uh, that college age is a very difficult age for people Um, and I believe that you know I I was kind of called to help people in that transition period of their life, figure out who they are and what gifts they have and how they can use those gifts. And so that's why track and field coaching was something that I really wanted to do and really want to invest myself in um, because I wanted to be able to be influential and, and help other people maybe achieve the same goals that I had, help them reach those goals and dreams. Um, so yeah, that's how I, that's how the whole coaching thing came about and, and why I'm, I'm in this sport still. For sure. For sure. And I know you've had some, some serious success currently here at Tennessee, but also before then, could you talk about, you know, where you, you started off coaching and then, you know, how you transitioned to over here, uh, you know, with the Vols? Yeah. Yeah. So um, uh, my first, first position that I uh, got was uh, I was a head coach at Taylor university, um, it's, which is, it's pretty remarkable. I went from finishing up as a, as a pro athlete to getting a head coaching position right at the gate. Uh, doesn't, doesn't normally happen that way. Uh, so God definitely uh, blessed me with that one. Um, but I was at Taylor university, which is a, a private Christian school, um, small school in Indiana. Uh, so it brought me back home from California, me and my wife, and we weren't too far from, uh, both of our parents. Um, we're from the same hometown. So, um, you know, we, we, we came there and I was there for three years as the head coach. Um, you know, some of the things that I was brought in to do was really help uh, to, to raise the, um, the roster size of the program. Um, and that was kind of the big thing uh, that they tasked me to do. Um, and I was able to meet those goals in one year. But for me, my goals were bigger than just, you know, have a, have a, a, a bigger team. Mm-hmm. Uh, we wanna, I want it to be good, you know, and I think yeah. that part of that is the, the track and field athlete, the, the will and the desire and determination to, to put together something good. I, I don't ever want to have to do anything. Um, I want to be great at it. Um, so, you know, I set some different goals that I had for, for myself and for our program and um, turn out some, some great athletes. 
Um, didn't quite get the national champion, uh, but I had a couple of runner-ups, uh, national runner-ups, individual during my time there, my short time there. Um, uh, took our men's program to a ninth place finish at Indoor Nationals. Um, it was the NAI program. And so we, you know, we had some, some good success, um, was really able to, I think, help boost that program up and, and, and uh, you know, put them, I guess, back on the map a little bit. Um, and so that, that was, you know, my time there. And I think from the things that I did, the individuals that I was able to coach and have some success with on both the men and women's side, um, you know, I, I was, uh, Tennessee saw me and uh, they reached out and asked if I would be interested in coming and uh, working with the, uh, the sprint group. So, um, you know, I was really excited about that opportunity and, and still here four years later. So, uh, you know, we, we keep on chugging along. For sure, man, for sure. And I know one thing that you had mentioned before is that one goal that you really want to have here at Tennessee is you want to bring a you know a national championship uh, mm -hmm. to you guys. And it's not it's not that far out of reality. I mean, you guys are a top ten program in the in the NCAA. I think I had you guys tied for for sixth earlier um, just just this past week. So you guys have been doing really well this season, especially. I mean, what's it? What is it going to, and that's not including any of the, any relays, of course. Um, what do you think it's going to take from, from your team or maybe your, your group to be able to take those next steps, whether it's, it's this year or within the next few years to be able to go from, you know, being a, a top 10 team to being a top three, and then eventually to being, you know, the team. You know, I think a lot of it has to do with uh, mindset, right? And I think as as professional athlete and as a collegiate athlete, one of the things I really learned was that my mind had to be in the right place to achieve what I wanted. Um, and so a lot of what I try to do personally myself is to, to give some of that energy, give that energy that I, I tried to have as an athlete to our current athletes. Um, you know, they've got to have a plan and we've got to work through that plan. And um, the mind has to be ready to receive greatness and to work through difficult times. Um, and, and so when, when you know, we challenge our athletes in practice, um, it's because we want to create um, the type of characteristics in them where they can push themselves and, and live up to the expectations that we want. You know, um, when you go to a national championship, the lights are on and everybody's rolling. Right. And, and so um, you've got to be able to, um, to, to achieve your goals and to stay focused and to stay zoned in um, at a small competition, just as well as you do at a big competition. Um, and I think uh, every single um, every ounce of what you do contributes to your success, you know, whether it's your sleeping habits, whether it's your eating habits, whether it's your, your focus uh, or how much you're, you know, wandering around at a track meet, you know, you've got to be dialed in. And I think that um, our, our team is continuing to turn that dial to the next level where we're, we're, we're building some momentum. We have some different individuals and individual events that are coming out and just doing some amazing things. 
Um, and we want to continue to feed off of that, um, continue to bring in great athletes who want to be great, who want to go to the next level. Um, not just at the, not just here at Tennessee, but beyond, you know, after their time is over. Um, and I think when you can find people uh, in high school who have already begun to have that mindset of being great, not letting anything determine that, uh, uh, um, change them or deter them from reaching those goals. And they want to be at the top of the podium and then they want to go on to have a professional career and, and run at the Olympics. Those are the type of people that will help bring your program, boost your program and help continue to help us here at Tennessee. Um, you know, we've seen it uh, over the past year, last year, obviously things were cut short a little bit. Um, but this year, I think that we've got an amazing team, amazing program, young men and women, both uh, on both sides that are going to do some great things. And I'm excited to see what happens. Yeah. I mean, the, you said it multiple times uh, that it's your mindset's got to be there. Mm -hmm. Something that whether it's just because you're, you know, you're in high school or, or maybe you're just younger is that you think that, oh, I'm talented. I got a lot of talent. That's all I need. I don't like I'm because in, in high school meets, all the meets are pretty much are pretty small, especially if you're an elite athlete. So, you know, you're not having to maybe race against top competition, especially in your conference meets where you're, you're winning by five seconds in the 400, right. <laughs> you're able to kind of cruise. And mm -hmm. so that mindset, I think is super hard to develop. I mean, mm -hmm. how, what if, what are some things maybe that you do with some of your athletes to help get that your mind ready? Because, you know, in order to win, like you have to, you have to like learn how to win, I guess, yeah. some, some would yeah. say. What's some of those, you know, off the track things that you guys are doing to really sharpen your tools so you can be able to run fast times when, when the lights are brightest? Yeah, well, I think part of it is their goal setting off the track, right? Being able to say, all right, what is it that we're trying to achieve for this year? What is it that you want to do? And, and having your short-term and your long-term goals, right? Those are things that make help make me successful. So I want to, you know, if it helped me, I, I, I'm going to try to use it to help you. Um, mm -hmm. You know, so making sure that we've got that and that both athlete and coach understand what those goals are um, and that we don't let what somebody else across the country might be doing change what our plan is and based upon our goals, right? So, so setting those goals, um, I think a lot of it takes place in practice developing that mindset in practice um, and creating that atmosphere uh, with what we're doing. So it may be competition style practices on some days. It may be challenging them to, to, to do something uh, so that they can maybe get out of a rep. <laughs> but as coach, you, as, as coach, you may, you may say, Oh, we're going to knock one off. If you, if you hit this time, uh, but you were already getting out of it, what you wanted, those are some sneaky ways. Yeah. <laughs> All of a but, sudden the time start dropping. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. They're not, so, you're not tired anymore. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So, so, so those are some, some things that you use to help create that mindset. Um, but sometimes you just got to have, you know, character building days. Um, where, you know, some things that you may be doing, whether it's stadiums, whether it's hill work, whether it's taking a mountain and doing something that to you on the track typically would be easy, but it's raining, pouring rain outside, right? What are the athletes going to do on that day? Are they going to be complaining? Are they going to be moaning and, and whining? You know, as a coach, you have to take all those things into account and, and really try to let them know, hey, these are things that are going to help make you great when your back's against the wall. When we need this four by four to come out here and, and roll out, for us to win the championship, what are you going to do, right? Are you going to let the rain mess with you? Because you know it could be pouring rain in Oregon, right? Yeah. <laughs> so um, you, you never know. So those are all things that we try to do, you know, whether it be in practice 
We also have um, um, sports uh, psychologists here that are some of our athletes will see to get that sports edge. And it's not saying that you, you, you see a sports psychologist because, you know, something wrong with you. But a lot of times it's, all right, what are some things I can use to get a little edge, to calm myself a little bit more before a race or to focus a little bit uh, stronger? So, you know, those are some different tools and techniques that, that we use. Yeah, it's uh that that mental edge is is a huge thing. A lot of people think in track and field it's just oh, you just run fast and and you're done. You don't have to worry about it. There's so much nuance in between mm -hmm. the the races and and what's going on. So it's it's a lot more than just, you know, who who's got the fastest time. And right. you know, having that edge is going to be huge. And yeah. well, um I wanted to, before we close out, wanted to transition to another thing that was super interesting uh, that I've always wanted to be a part of some type of reality TV show, but back yeah. in, uh, back in, what was it? The, what, 2014, I think you mentioned yeah. it was you're, you're a contestant on the show, American Grit, mm -hmm. which is uh, you're doing this. It's hosted by John Cena, which is pretty yeah. cool. And you're doing a variety of different challenges to that test your, your strength and your, your mental Mm -hmm. capacity i think a lot of your team the people that are your teams are like navy seals you know some of the hardest people in the in the world i mean yeah tell us about you know what what was it like you know being a competitor you know on this show um and also like what made you want to do it too yeah yeah but weirdly enough i got someone reached out to me um from a casting agency on twitter and i thought it was just a joke i was like what is this you know i just kind of <laughs> Um, and, but, and then I, something was like, man, go to this, you know, this, this, um, whoever's page it is. And, and I started seeing that they were reaching out to a lot of elite athletes, um, or people who had been athletes. So I, I, you know, replied back and was like, yeah, you know, what's going on or whatever. And, and they told me what the show was and, um, it's based around, uh, military themed challenges. And that's what the whole thing is, you know, like, and I was like, okay, that's kind of cool. My dad was in the army. My, my grandfather was in the military also in the air force. So I have a, my family has military background. Um, and, um, so ultimately I was like, you know what, I'll, I'll, I'll see what this is all about. I ended up deciding to, to go on the show. Um, and it was probably the hardest thing I've ever been a part of. <laughs> I, I, yeah, it was mentally harder than the preparation and the training for track and field. Um, you know, they were, like I said, they were all military themed challenges. And I, I was, this was 20, this was two years, uh, two, three years after I had retired. Oh, no, about two years after I officially retired. And I remember the very first, you know, I, I, would, I was trying to, you know, run, I guess I'm like boots and was trying to run um, like in my neighborhood to get myself ready and do some like extra stuff that I hadn't been doing. Mm -hmm. um, try to learn how to use a compass, all this stuff. I was like, I may have to use a compass when I go on a show, which I did have to. And I couldn't remember a thing that I studied <laughs> before. Uh, but um, luckily, I had an amazing team, uh, people that were there to help. And the very first challenge we had, we had to carry like a uh, it was like a telephone pole basically it was 120 pounds and there was me and my four teammates and we had to run through the woods and forest 3.66 miles with the telephone pole and mm -hmm. I was like what did I get myself into you know um, but it was it was a cool challenge you know we were away filmed for five weeks um, 
two of my teammates won the whole thing. I made the finale. I didn't, I didn't, uh, didn't win. Uh, uh, and that, well, that stung a little bit, you know, $125,000. Would have been uh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> I could have helped out at that time, but, yeah. um, you know, it was, it was, it was definitely great. It was an awesome experience. Um, met a lot of wonderful people, obviously John Cena, he's a, he's a great guy. And, and, uh, Noah, who was my cadre, he was the leader of my, my team of four. Um, great guy, uh, just very inspirational, um, people who have served and have been deployed all of them, um, overseas. And so, you know, it was, it was, it was crazy times, but, uh, I definitely had a lot of fun. Oh yeah. It was I remember watching it. It was my, you know, I was in high school, like my, my sophomore, junior year. And I'm like, this is, this is crazy. Like, it's like, imagine taking the hardest challenge that they have on survivor. And then just every single one of them is that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. It's like, that's what it, that's what it was. <laughs> I mean, was, were any of the, because I know on a lot of these shows, you have a little, you know, some drama or you have the, the, the competitions themselves were, were anything like, was anything like, okay, they tried to, you know, built it up a little bit, you know, the like behind the scenes stuff to, you know, kind of make it better for TV or was it pretty much, you know, what you see is what you get. You know, actually it was, it was pretty accurate what they showed you know there was a there was a little bit of drama but not much you know i think that was uh one of the great things about this show was it wasn't as you know cat fighting and bickering as you know some of the other reality shows and i think that was one of the things i really enjoyed about the way they portrayed the show um and i know season two was a little different uh which uh i don't think I think a lot of the people that were really into season one didn't necessarily uh, get how they were, you know, kind of direction that they were going. But um, ultimately, you know, I think that they portrayed us, you know, who we truly were. Um, all of us were, were, you know, hard nosed. We were all ready to go and, and trying to be really great and, and win. You know, we all wanted to win, had different personalities. And I think what was great about it was you, you took people from all different kind of like act athletic backgrounds right yeah. you know you had bodybuilders you had a bikini model you had uh, NFL football player you know all these people who used to participate in these things and so um you know it was awesome and then my teammate you know I had a I had a, a fisherwoman and a lumberjack those are the two people who won the whole thing and they knew everything like that yeah. was the awesome part about being on my team I mean they knew how to use the compass they knew how to tie knots and those were like the two main things you <laughs> you had to know <laughs> to really be successful on this show so I you know I was uh I, I lucked out and getting a great team like that there you go that's awesome yeah. that's awesome <laughs> well I'm definitely looking forward to to seeing how uh Tennessee does I know we have the the NCAA championship coming in about a month from now yeah. so yeah. We're, we're, it's right around the corner, even though we feels like we just started the, the season a little bit <laughs> ago. Um, where could, where could people that are listening find more information on either you or, or Tennessee, uh, you know, if they want to, you know, follow up? Yeah, well, obviously, um, you know, we're on Twitter, uh, Instagram, you know, ball underscore track um, for, for, for those, those things for me. Um, my Twitter is D Neville three, uh, the, the number three, um, and then I'm uh, David Neville three on Instagram. And then uh, I've got a website, which is David Neville three.com. So, you know, just punching my name and you can probably find me <laughs> at any search engines. Um, and yeah, so that's, that's uh, how you can find some more information about me. 
Awesome. Thank you, David. Well, thank you. And thank you to everyone that's been listening. This has been another episode of Track World News. If you enjoyed listening to this, make sure you go follow us on Instagram at Track World News. You have extra bonus content that we have over there. Make sure that you also leave a a rating on the show, subscribe, follow, all that good stuff helps us know that you're enjoying what's going on. Uh, This has been another episode. Have a good one and peace. I'm not going to be able to do that.